0: Turn in your Bibles with me to two places, Hebrews chapter 2 and Mark chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 2 and Mark chapter 3. I want to preach on this topic. He is able. Come on, everybody just say that with me. Everybody online, type it in the comments right now if you're watching. Everybody in the room, shout, he is able. How many believe that he is able? Come on. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he was able back then when he walked the earth, Passion Week, I'm going to know he's able today, right now, in the middle of your situation. I believe God is going to do it. Let's pray. Jesus, do what you do. Amen. Come on. How many like quick prayers? Let's go. That's what I'm talking about, baby. I don't need a long prayer person like at at lunch. You know what I'm saying? Like they're trying to save the whole restaurant. No, I'm just trying to eat my sandwich. Let's go. Pray quick. He is able. He is able. Here we are, it's, it's Passion Week. Come on. Like like Passion Week, we get excited about it. Palm Sunday, Easter next week. Like we get excited because we know the end of the game. We know the end of the story. But if you were to put your sh- yourself in the shoes of the disciples, it was not Passion Week for them. It was actually a week that was not that fun. It was a week that Felt like everything was falling apart. They got excited and about here we are, man. All of a sudden this dude comes riding in on a donkey and they honor him. And they celebrate him as king by, and it was an honor when they did palm trees and, and clothing. It was a sign of here comes a new king and, and a king. And immediately they were thinking, finally, our earthly kingdom is coming, even though Jesus did everything he could to point to something beyond earth forever. And they're seeing this. And all of a sudden, after that, they see Jesus can do it. go do something that's totally out of his character. And he walks into the house and he flips the table. All of a sudden, I think Peter actually fell in love with him a little bit more, which is why he's like, I can cut somebody's ear off, bro. You flip the table. They, they see like, like this. And all of a sudden, what we see is the greatest week in our lives, because we've seen the power of the cross, did not feel like the greatest week in their life. And Jesus did everything he could to point to what is coming, to point that what might be greater, but it didn't take away from the emotions of the pain in the moment to where they're sitting at the table and Jesus says, somebody's going to betray us and Peter wanted to fight somebody. Like the first MMA fight happened almost at the last supper. Who is it? And then you got Peter denied Jesus. The world came falling apart, and I just wonder if it might be, and I want to teach today on this this very foundational topic or or phrase, if you want to write it down. When you think life is falling apart, maybe God is allowing it to fall together. When you think life is falling apart, maybe it's falling together. And I think about this, I think about, we love to, I want to preach about Jesus from a different perspective today. We believe in the power and the anointing and the supernatural of who our God is. Can I get an amen on that, right? We felt a lot of that. We believe that. We heard our pastor, your pastor, share the very purpose and passion. By the way, I'm thankful that you got amazing pastors to say, even though we got a schedule at the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost, come on, you grew up in the Holy Ghost, let's go. Schedule, if interrupts that to meet somebody's need, man, we can scratch the schedule. We're going to say yes to the need in the room. I'm thankful for that. And we believe in, in the power and the spiritual and the, the anointing the strength of who Jesus is. But there is a side of Jesus that relates to you and me that's not taught about a lot, and that's the human nature of what Jesus walked with. It's what connects us more than anything. In three years, Jesus did everything he could to connect relationally from a human perspective with his disciples to get them to believe that Sooner or later, it's going to feel like life is falling apart. But if you trust me, it's falling together. Amen. And I, I just, I want to preach from that topic where like, because I believe when we understand the human nature of what Jesus walked through, it will connect us to the relational power of the relationship with who he is. And when I think, the, the way I describe it is this. There's actually something that a lot of politicians use. They call it the, uh, the illusion of identification. Some call it a spiritual identification. And not everybody uses this, but a lot of them use it to try to create a connection of almost kind of false relationship to gain your trust and to get you to believe in what they're saying and what they're doing. And so a politician will do this. They'll they'll jump in their limo, and they'll walk up to go to meet with the president of a banker, and they'll throw on their three-piece suit, and they'll walk into the banker and be like, Hey, Mr. Banker, how are you? Man, my father's wife was a banker, and her cousin was too. I feel your pain. I know what you've been through. Then he jumps in the car, and he goes down to the factory. Changes his shirt, throws on a hard hat, and he walks in. He says, hey, my aunt's cousin, brother's cousin worked in the factory. I feel your pain. I know what you're going through. I've been there. No, you ain't. Then he gets back in the car and he goes to see a farmer. He throws on his overalls. Come on, how many still rock some overalls? Let's go. He throws on his overalls. And changes into a pickup truck and walks into the farmer and says, hey, my cousin's cousin's aunt's brother's cousin, somewhere down the line, was a farmer. I know how you feel. I've been with you where you've been. And it's all a false connection of illusion to try to create trust of relationship. And can I tell you what I love about Jesus? And what I love about my God is he didn't create a false illusion of trying to connect with you and me. But for three years, he walked as a human and has been through everything that I've been through and everything that you've gone through. And even in moments where you like, no, he's God. He's this spiritual thing of in the earth. There's, there's, No, no, no. He had to become human to build the trust of the relationship, to understand that when life is falling apart. He could say, I've been there, but I promise you it's falling together. He's just like, he's like, he's like, I'm there. There's a human nature of God. He knows what it's like to be a baby. He knows what it's like to be a toddler. He knows the awkward teenage years. Come on, somebody. He he knows it all. He knows about family. He knows about work. He knows about everything. I kind of want to show you some of that with with our time. Let Let me read some scripture that shows you about the power of why he had to become human. It says this in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Just, I got a lot of scripture, so just roll with me. Y'all with me? Can I get a yeah? All right. all right. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Because God's children are human beings. Anybody human being up in here? Okay, here we go. All right, just making sure. Made of flesh and blood, the Son, talking about Jesus, also became flesh and blood. For only as, only, not, not an option, but only as, a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Who who had? I love how God put past tense on that. You don't got it no more. Who had the power of death? Verse 17 in the New King James Version says this of Hebrews 2. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. He had to be like you and me, human. So that he might be, this is beautiful, these two words. So he could be merciful and faithful. The only way you have a God who's got way more grace than you got problems. How many thankful for the grace of God? How many thankful for the mercy of God? The only way he could have mercy for you and me and love us right where we are. The only way he could be faithful to us even when we stop being faithful to him is because he had to become human. To understand the why in our life and things pertaining to God to make proper umphahniks beh- 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 work. Pro, prop- uh, skip it. All right. <laughs> Sorry, about that. I don't know what's wrong with this morning. Okay. For the sins of the people, verse eighteen. For in that he himself suffered, anybody suffered, yeah. and he was tempted. Yeah. And it says this: he is able to aid those who are tempted. But he couldn't do it until he became human. There is nobody more qualified that understands what we're going through more than Jesus. Nobody. It's not a false illusion. It's not fake or a trick. He's saying, I've been there. And I've done that. Hebrews 4, verse 15 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus. Come on, how many thankful we got a God. High priest means he is sitting on the throne of heaven. And he says, he entered heaven. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly. I love this. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. If this year has done anything, it has challenged all of us to hold on to what we believe. Verse 15, this high priest of ours, here it is. He understands our weakness. Why? Because he has faced all the same, not a few, not some things, but all the same testings that we have, yet we did. he did not sin, but he knows the emotion. So let us come. This is the response, and we'll get back to it later. Let us come boldly. To the throne of the gracious God. There will we receive his mercy. We'll find his grace to help us when we need it the most. Why? Because he is able. He is able. I don't know about you. Anybody ever have a need in your life? And the great thing, this is what happens, because Jesus was human. He could relate to you and me in ways that nobody else can relate to. And so that when you have a need, you can literally, you can ask the Lord, God, I'm dealing with this in this area today. I'm struggling with this. And you know what he's going to respond to? He's not going to be like, well, you should have done it better. He's going to say, I know, I've been there. Then he's going to say, hey, did you feel this when you did that? And you're going to be like, yeah, this is exactly how it feels. Some of you, you don't realize how much you relate to Jesus because you never talked to Jesus. And you only want to talk to him when everything is good. And he's saying, I've been there. I'm your greatest asset. I'm your greatest strength. I came and served with you on this world for three years to let you know, to learn your pain, so I can get back to the power of what heaven has and show you the mercy and the grace and the love that you need. I'm able to do it. You just gotta say yes to it. You gotta say yes to it. Jesus, like, he understands. Can, can I just share with you, real quickly, just, just some things about how he understands from the human nature? He understands relationships, he gets it. He understands family. Mark 6, verse 3 says this. How many know family can be complicated? Let's go. How many got some crazy family? Yeah, some of y'all afraid to admit it because they said right next to me. Okay, there we go. Mark 6, 3 says this. Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, or Simone, whatever you want to say. Like, like, like think about it. By the way, it said son of Mary. I want you to remember that because I'm going to come back to that later. But notice it was, it was a big family. Jesus knows what it's like to have brothers and sisters Growing up, he knows what it it's like to have, I grew up in a big household. I know what it's like to have sisters that annoy you and brothers that try to pick on you. Like, I don't know what kind of household you grew up in, but like, but that's pretty normal. Am I right? Where family is a little bit crazy a little bit. I mean, he's used to like brothers picking on him and, and playing pranks on them. Like he's standing on the water saying, come on, you can do it too. And all of a sudden they come and they try, and they and of course they sing, you know, ha! You know, it's like like little Jesus pranks. Don't you some of y'all are gonna catch that in like 10 seconds? It just went. Whoosh. Don't you know his brothers were tired of Mama Mary shouting, Can't you be more like Jesus? He understands family dynamics. There was even a moment in Mark 3 where Jesus replied, like, Who is my mama? Who's my brother? Have you ever had that crazy family member you didn't want to even acknowledge in the room? No, they ain't my kinfolk. Come on, that's just real talk. He knows. He's been there. He knows family. He knows what it's like to be single. He knows what it's like to be married. Did he get married as a human? No. But the Bible calls us the bride. Of Christ. So he understands marriage. We are the bride. And when we enter heaven, we will go and meet the groom, which is our Savior and our Lord. That's why there's a powerful anointing and covenant with marriage and to do it right. But he understands marriage. And if he understands marriage, that also means he understands what it feels like to have an unfaithful spouse. He understands. Hope y'all still love me after this. He understands what it's like to have children. We are God's children. He knows what it feels like to have disobedient children. To so where are like, I'm raising them the best I can. I gave them everything, and now they're stuck on stupid. Mom and dads, he knows the pain. When the Jesus you've trained your kids and all of a sudden, there's a moment where they don't know. Like, God, did they listen to anything I told them? The moment that they met Jesus, where is it? And they drifted. Trust the Jesus inside of them. Lean into the Lord. He understands. He, un- he understands. Jesus understands in Mark 3, verse 21. It says "It says this. It says, and when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. And for they were saying, I of, have you ever had family call you crazy for believing a dream that God gave you? It don't fit in the family business. It doesn't work right here. It doesn't make sense. Why would you go and do this? Why would you go? And, why would you love that person when you knew they did that? Like, if it like God understands when He gives you something crazy that is different, and nobody understands it except you and God. He, he gets it. He knows friends. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were some of his closest friends. And Martha got mad. So they kind of play it down. But I think Martha, I think she, she tilted her head a little bit and she got serious. Because Jesus didn't, he heard about Lazarus was dying. He didn't come in time and he died and she was mad. And she, when Jesus showed up on the scene, she, she gave him some attitude. If you would have been here. He knows the fear of when friends feel like you've, you've disappointed them. But Jesus is like, Martha, be encouraged. I know it feels like it's falling apart. But it's actually falling together. Because there can't be a miracle without something falling apart. And God did something great. Cra- he, he knows what it's like to be betrayed with Judas. He, he knows what it's like to feel pain. He understands work. He understands the work. The Bible called him a carpenter. Like I don't know about when's the last time you tried to cut wood with a regular saw. I got my electrical, come on, saw. Come on, somebody. How I many thankful for technology? Let's go. I remember I can cut wood like nothing. I remember one day my, 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 my electric saw went out, and so I had to go buy I had to get kid. i I'd never used it in a long time. So like this old hand saw. And I'm cutting a piece of wood, like maybe as thick as this mic right here. I had to take 10 water breaks. I'm just, ah! come on, somebody, like, are you with me? Like, it just flat wore, my arm, my right arm was numb for like 20 days. I'm like, the work, he, un- <laughs> he understands work. He understands what it means to be a CEO. Him and his father owned his, their own business. They understand the pressure of the, the finances and the providing. And and actually, if, uh, a theologian pointed out to me, and I thought it was a, a great point. I know the Bible calls them a carpenter, but if you have ever get a chance to go to Nazareth, which we've had, had the honor to go there, there's no trees. How can you be a carpenter with wood with no trees? Just maybe Jesus and his father, Joseph, were the local maintenance men. In other words, from the beginning, he even learned from his father how to serve people at their house and their need. They went from house to house. When people had a need, they would call Joseph and Jesus carpentry. And from a maintenance point of view, he, he, he served them. And Jesus knows what it's like to have to build something and have to grow something and have to trust God in something. Jesus knows what it's like. Listen to this. He knows what it's like for the pain of waiting on God when you want to move and it's right in front of you. I, when I, when, the reason why I say that is because when I went to Nazareth, I was blown away. The city of Nazareth, it sits up on a hill where Jesus grew up. And right below is the valley where the battle of Armageddon is going to take place, the last moment where we're all going to enter up in heaven, the last moment on earth. And Jesus, think about it, for 30 years, everywhere he walked around that town, he saw, that's why I came. And I got to do everything I got to get as many people in heaven before that moment happens. And just, could you think for 30 years, he knew that he had the power? I think, remember when he was caught at the temple at 12 years old? To be able to, I think maybe that was the human nature of Jesus, saying, I'm just about my father's business. Because could you imagine knowing you had the power to, to raise people from the dead, to heal the sick, and to heal the lame. And every morning you were woken up, every morning, no matter where you went, you were reminded that's where you're called to go, that's where you're going to be. And the frustration of waiting on God's timing? He knows the pain when it feels like it's all falling apart. But if you trust his timing and you trust his pace and you trust his promise, you will see sooner or later it's all falling together. Why? Because he is able. Here's here's my last thought. We're going to close. We're going to close. He understands pain. He understands pain. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says this, he was despised and he was rejected. He understands emotional pain. This year, more than ever, we have felt and seen the emotional pain and the mental stress more than ever. Suicide rate is skyrocketed more than any other year in the history of our world. Jesus understands Emotional pain. Verse 5, it says, and he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. He understands physical pain. The emotion of he was despised and he was rejected, and the fact that he was the maintenance man means he came from pretty much the inner city and lower class income. He necessarily didn't have the wealth and the resources That everybody else had was kind of the perspective. Then, also, when he went to the cross, they put a sign up mocking him. He understands the pain of racial profiling. More than anything this year, there's been so much of that, and it's been history after history, years of the same thing. But Jesus is saying the pain of what's been exposed more than ever this last year. I've been there. I've been there with you. I know what it's like to be mocked and ridiculed. I know what it's like to give everything you got to love somebody and they turn on you and you never thought they would turn on you. I know the emotion and the pain. I know what it's like to be wounded and bruised. Maybe you experience physical abuse or just verbal abuse or just unhealthy culture. Maybe you experience church hurt and you're giving this thing another shot or I don't know, God is saying, I've I've been there. I was beaten 39 times. They stabbed me in the side. Had a crown of thorn three inches thick drilled through my skull. I know pain. I know pain. I even know the pain to where I told you we'd come back to it in Mark 3 where it says, this is the son of Mary. But in John, it references in the same scripture, in the same story as the son of Joseph. Here's what you got to understand is that the book of John recorded the first two years of Jesus' ministry. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded the last year of Jesus' ministry. Many believe that Joseph was still with Jesus. But many believe that in the last year, The highlight year of his life, he lost his father. Because Joseph wasn't at the scene, the biggest moment of his life when he needed his dad the most wasn't there. Could you imagine the pain if you if you've lost a loved one? Jesus understands. Don't you know everything inside of him wanted to use the power? He's raised hundreds from the dead. But he chose not to raise his father from the dead simply for one reason, to connect with you, to say I've been there. And for Jesus, he's crying out, it feels like his life is falling apart. And even he has a moment, God, if you can take this from me, take it. But he says, trust me, it's falling together. There's nobody in this world, friends, that knows you like Jesus. There's nobody. And He gives us an opportunity to respond. And He says, Come boldly to the throne. Receive this mercy. Accept Him into your life. John 14, verse 1 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled, but trust in God. And I'm asking you to trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. I went to prepare a place. In other words, God said, there's, there's more than a better now. He's saying, I'm going to create a better place. But there can be a better now, right now. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? That's what he says. Do, do you believe this? In other words, the threat of death should not sting us because we got the hope of heaven. And Jesus, every, every move he made was to remind you, to let you know that he's with you and he's there. Even to the moment when he was raised from the dead and he left the cloth in the tomb. And if you go back and you read, It says in John 20, verse 7, it says, while the cloth that had covered Jesus, it was folded up and laying down. Folded. When you get off of a restaurant, what do you do? Do you fold your blanket? No, you throw it down. Why? Because you're finished. But there was a tradition between the master and a servant that would take place that if he threw the cloth down, it lets him know that he's finished but if they would fold it and leave it on the table and let the servant know that he's coming back. And here's what I love about that story is that Jesus left it where he was. What does that let me know? Jesus saying, I love you right where you are. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to quote so much scripture. I don't care if you're coming right now from the penthouse or the outhouse. In between, you walked in getting Hezekiah last night, or you got it all together. Or you've been married 27 times, we're going to make 28 the best time. It doesn't matter where you are. God is saying, I want to go back and meet you right where you are. I am able. I have been there. I love you. I am for you. Let's stand together. Somebody shout, he is able. He is able.